Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Sorry. I had it in my head and then it went away. Don't hurt yourself. But welcome back to Spark Country. <laughs> I'm Kenneth Regan. That, that right there is Mr. Horsley. Ooh. And today on the show, well, she's an amazing writer. She had a singing career and her grandmother was an opera singer and she was a lot of fun to talk with. Alexandra Monier, isn't it? It is, man, and you and Melissa had a chance to sit down with her and talk to her about her new book, Black Canary, Breaking Silence, yep. and how was it? It was cool, man. She uh, she got into Black Canary. She really loves the she, she loves the character a lot, and she hopes she gets to do more. Um, she took a lot of influences from her background, which is really interesting, like the whole concept that uh, women cannot sing or they could be executed uh, was taken directly from her grandmother's time in Iran. Oh man! And so there's a lot of interesting parallels there. And she thought really long and hard on the book to what she was going to write. And she explained herself really well. I think you guys are going to like this one. Man, it sounds awesome. And uh, the book looks amazing. I, I, I'm a big fan of Black Canary too. So, Yeah, man. Tafine read it. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. She like read it? it like in a day and a half. She loved it. She was like, I can't <laughs> nice. put this down. This is awesome. At first she goes, oh, it reminds me of The Little Mermaid. And then like... 30 pages in, she goes, this isn't The Little Mermaid. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and she was like, learns about the Court of Owls and, and all this cool stuff. She she really dug it. She's like, I hope she does more because she she really likes She's supposed to send, hopefully, she's supposed to send Tafina a signed copy. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because she liked that's it awesome. that much. That's really cool. Well, man, what do you say we just sit back listen to it? Let's do this. Listen to Alexandra Monier and her own words. Welcome back. And today on the show, this is super exciting. She's got a brand new book out all about Black Canary. And I think you guys are going to really love it. Alexandra Monier, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about this. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for being here. We're so excited to have you on. I finished reading your book last night and I am obsessed with it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I loved, loved, loved it. So yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, it's well, we can go into it a little bit. If you want to give away some spoilers, you can. If not, I know it hasn't been out that long, but it is the origin story of Black Canary. And I'd love to hear in your own words how you got this amazing opportunity to to write for the DC icons. Yeah, well, it's it's a really fun story, at least I think so. <laughs> so about a few years ago or two years ago, I was on the road at a lot of comic book conventions and book festivals because I had a sci-fi novel out called The Final Six. 
that was a teens going to space novel with Harper Collins. And that was a book that got a good amount of attention and sort of put me on the map. And so I was going to all these events. And while I was at WonderCon, which is a fabulous fantasy novel and comic convention in Anaheim, I was introduced to a couple of editors at DC. And we ended up running into each other again at a few different festivals and comic cons that same year. And finally, we just had lunch. And they suggested to me because by this point, they already knew my background and that I had a former life as a teen pop singer. (laughs) And so they were like, have you ever thought of writing something about Black Canary? And I thought, oh, my God, like, that would be amazing. But you just never think like, I mean, I would never even think that I would get that opportunity. So, I mean, it never occurred to me. But when they said it, I was immediately excited at the prospect. So initially, we were talking about a possible graphic novel. So I went home and I started writing a pitch. But as I was writing, this this whole song popped into my head, which is a song that plays a pivotal role in the book called The Black Canary Sings. And I just wrote the whole thing on the spot and wrote all this prose. And I just started feeling like this feels like it needs to be a full novel. Like I want to be able to have song lyrics in there. I want to be able to just write this like one of my books, but it happens to be a superhero novel. And eventually I hope, you know, one day we'll come full circle with a graphic novel, but I just started seeing it as a prose novel. So I knew that there was this four book series out already with Random House called DC Icons. And it was basically Random House had selected four huge, iconic YA authors to each get get to write a character. So Leah Bardugo got Wonder Woman, Marie Lu got uh, Batman, Sarah J. Moss, Catwoman, and Matt De La Pena, Superman. So these authors are all definitely a lot bigger than me. <laughs> and so I, for like a few months, I honestly didn't do anything. I just kind of was like daydreaming about like, what would it be like if I pitched this? And then finally, sort of fate kind of forced my hand a little bit because I knew I would be going to New York. And I just sent my agent this email. I was like, hey, you know, I looked up, I I read the acknowledgements of those other DC Icons books. I looked in the back of the book and saw the name of the editor. They all think, what do you think about letting her know I'm coming to New York, sending her this pitch I wrote for Black Mary and seeing if she would even just consider it. And then it was just like the universe kind of helped me make it happen because he sent her the pitch She ended up reading it and loved it. And she sent it to DC and Warner Brothers and they felt the same way. And then literally the day before I was going to come home, I got the email from my agent saying she wants to meet with you. And then after that, we had this amazing meeting where she completely saw my vision for the character and it just felt like, oh my gosh, stars aligning. But then I had to wait like two or three weeks while she kind of convinced everybody else. Cause of course I wasn't, I mean, the other four authors are all number one New York times bestsellers. And I mean, I've done well for myself, but I wasn't at that level. So she had to kind of convince everybody and make the whole pitch. So I was waiting on pins and needles. And then finally, you know, a few weeks after that whole pitch, I got the deal. So that's the long story of how it all happened. Wow. That's so cool. What an amazing story. And I think, you know, it's not going to be much longer before you're probably joining the ranks of those other authors as far as bestselling lists. Thank you. Thank you. It definitely has been such a pinch me thing to, I mean, just to see there have been a lot of bookstagram and posts and social media posts that show my book with all of theirs. And it's, it's a totally cool pinch me moment because I remember when the book series was announced and it was only ever 
I think it was only ever announced as just the four books. And I kind of pitched this whole fifth one. And hopefully, I think they're going to continue with other books and authors after mine. But just to think back to when they first announced this and with those big name authors, and I remember thinking like, wow, that sounds so amazing, you know, and then to think that I wrote the Black Canary one is I'm still like, sort of, I don't know, I'm, I'm still kind of pinching myself about it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And it's such a powerful message, especially for, you know, what we've been going through in the last, well, forever, really. But essentially now, you know, there's a lot more people rising up and and trying to explore, you know, all these different issues with, with women's rights. So it's really cool that you're able to, you know, have this iconic character, but then get to sort of, you know, input some current issues. It kind of reminded me, to be honest, of like a handmaid's tale in Gotham City. Yes. yes, that's you know what? That's that's what I was going for. So I'm glad you got that vibe. Awesome. That's cool. And and then of course, you know, our current events as well, I'm sure. And your history, your 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 heritage as well, being Iranian American, did that influence the story as well? Yeah, you know, it's so funny because for the longest time, people have always said, oh, you should write something about your family and your family background. And I I don't know, it, it always felt like too close or too personal. And I just, and so I, I didn't. And then it's just so ironic and funny that writing the most American of projects, like a superhero <laughs> novel, I end up tapping into my whole, you know, history, my family's history in Iran. And basically to give kind of as short a version as I possibly can, So my grandmother, before the revolution in Iran, she was this incredible, iconic opera singer. She was the foremost opera singer in Iran, but she was so much more than that. She was also this just advocate for women and girls in the arts. She opened the first co-ed boarding school for classical singing that included girls at a time when they weren't getting those same opportunities. And she just paved the way. And she was someone that was always, I mean, my mom tells stories all the time that like my grandmother her mom was constantly on stage, constantly on TV. Like she was this big star and she was someone that politicians listened to. She had these strong, great opinions and made them known. And then when the 1979 revolution happened and there was this whole regime change, suddenly women's rights were just completely, completely just dramatically stripped to the point where women could be severely punished for even singing publicly. Mm. And I did you not, that still exists to this day. To this day, if you're a woman and you sing publicly in Iran, you can get majorly punished. So it's illegal. So that was something that always, I mean, weighed on me. I was born years later in the United States after my grandmother had sadly passed away in a car accident. So there was just all this like, this very sad, dark kind of history that I was sort of born into, but also a very empowering, amazing history before the revolution. And so I think it was a combination of that and then also seeing what was happening in this country over the past several years Mm -hmm. and a lot of rights that I might have kind of assumed we'd always have as women, starting to see those get taken away, starting to see a lot of the dichotomy there, I just started thinking like, God, what if something like that were to happen here? And that was when I just immediately had this vision of a Gotham city that's taken over by these tyrannical autocratic forces that are, you know, severely, severely limiting what women can and can't do. 
And then I thought about how a character like Black Canary, with her voice being her power, how she could completely change the game and change the status quo. So that all that all came to me kind of right away once once the idea of me writing something about Black Canary was presented. I just immediately envisioned a world where girls can't sing, but yeah. And I think that was something that definitely I, I don't know that I would have ever thought of that if it wasn't for the very real life situation that I'm unfortunately all too familiar with. Yeah. And some of the things that you, you know, you've done in the book as far as like, you know, when someone has upset the court of owls or committed offense and they have to hang the the bloody mask in their window. I mean, even that dates back to different regimes of of sort of, you know, brandishing people to let, you know, the rest of the community know that they're the enemy, so to speak. Totally. Yeah. It's like the Scarlet Letter. Um, yeah, there's definitely things from our own history too. I mean, I feel like I kind of took, I was inspired to, I was inspired when I was kind of reimagining the Court of Owls based on the, you know, these kind of really oppressive autocratic regimes like the one in Iran, but there are plenty of examples in American history of people that have behaved that way too. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and getting into more of like the research or the DC comic book side, how much research did you have to do to familiarize yourself with the different, you know, worlds and characters in the universe? That was so much fun getting to do, by the way. That was like, I remember I was watching, I think some an episode of Gotham or Arrow or something. And I had, my nanny was helping with my toddler. And I was like, I swear I'm working. <laughs> like, I can't, even though I'm like sitting in front of the TV right now. But yeah, I did a lot. I was, it helped that I was, of course, already a fan of DC and the characters and everything. But I definitely did a lot of deep diving into, I mean, everything from, the early Dinah Lance comic storylines and Dinah Drake storylines, because as for those who might not be familiar, Black Canary has had many alternate histories. First there was one, then there was two. She's been retconned a lot. So there were a lot of different alternate versions of her character and her story that I was researching while figuring out, okay, what are the elements I definitely want to use in mind? So it was a combination of newer material like Gotham and Arrow and also the older the older material from the comic books. And but one thing that was cool, and I think this comes from me being a fan, is that I pretty much knew right away what I wanted to do. Like, I think it was pretty instant that I knew I wanted the Court of Owls to be the villain because it just felt like for this, when you're telling a story where it's like a government or a regime is, is the true villain, I, I immediately saw them, you know, like that kind of dark secret society elitist kind of figureheads like the court of owls and then and then other things just like i knew spoiler alert <laughs> i knew I, wanted, I knew i wanted to include barbara gordon and lady shiva as part of the birds of prey so that's cool that was that was the thing that was fun was i just kind of had all these different ideas and things i wanted to do and then it was a matter of really just researching and, and making sure I was getting their characters right. Even though I'm doing my own version, I, I wanted it to be as true to, you know, what the fans know and love as what, possible. What did your family say when you said, I'm writing a book based off of combo characters? Oh my God. Well, it, it was amazing because first of all, like we're all, we're all like such uh, comic book superhero people. Yeah. And my dad my dad was watching Arrow in Gotham before even I was. So, oh, nice. <laughs> so everyone was super excited. I think it was one of those things where we were all just like, oh my God, is this 
this is really happening. So, and then when they found out, I think it was really emotional. It's my mom's favorite of anything I've written because of, you know, because it is so close to us and our story. So I think that's cool. I think it's, it had, it was like this exciting factor. And then, but then there was also this deeper kind of emotional cathartic factor for them too. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you. I know it's so funny because like, technically this this is essentially like a work for hire thing but it feels like as personal if not more personal than anything i could kind of create on my own yeah well it sounds like you put a lot of you and your experiences into it which kind of brings in that whole dynamic of feeling that more attached so yeah that makes a lot of sense (laughs) (laughs) right and did dc give you any guidelines like was there like you can't do this or or we would like you to do something like this I have to say, I was so impressed working with DC because of the fact that they really let me tell this very kind of original story, very different to anything we've seen with Black Canary before. So that was really awesome. Like I didn't feel, and I was telling like kind of a political story too. So there were moments where as I was writing this, as I was writing the book, I was like, oh, is this going to be seen as like too like politically charged? And they, you know, they were just, they really they really just got my vision and didn't question me, which was awesome just to know that they believed in me um, and what I was doing with this project. The only things I I would say, like the areas where they kind of would tell me like, oh, maybe stay away from this or stay away from that. It was more if I was using, if I was incorporating a classic character in a way that, that maybe didn't totally fit with the canon. Like there was something I was trying to do with the penguin that ultimately had to get cut because it didn't necessarily fit with how his character is across the rest of the canon. Yeah. And then there was another character that I brought in towards the end, like a really climactic sort of battle scene. And I was really excited about that one, but they were like, this is like way too late to introduce a classic DC character. (laughs) So it was really good because they were able to read and let me know, you know, when things needed to be kind of a little bit closer to the canon. But for the most part, I mean, story-wise, plot-wise, they completely let me let me just sort of fly free. And they, I even got permission from them to add in, to kind of create a new power for Black Canary. So that was really fun. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that was such a cool power. I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's new. <laughs> Hello. I know, I was so excited. My editor even warned me. She was like, I don't know that they're going to say yes to this. Like, just don't get too attached. And I was so happy when they did say it. That's really cool. And you never know, they might actually use that in future incarnations. Yeah, that would be awesome. When when you got the deal for the book, did they was it always slated to be Black Canary, or did they give you a breadth of characters and say, "Is there one of these that you really want to work with?" Oh no, it was it was definitely they just brought up Black Canary to me, and then I ran with it and wrote the pitch. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever really considered anybody else. Yeah, of course. Now that I've written Black Canary, I. I could see myself writing the other birds of prey characters that I, uh, that I brought into this book, but you know, we'll have to see if, if they ever asked me to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Is is there, when you, when you think about when you, when you sat down to write your outline, okay, Mm -hmm. this is, you know, these are my jumps. These these are the beats that I'm going to hit. Was there something there with black canary that you were like, this is going to be really hard. And then maybe on the other flip side, this is going to be so easy because 
I, 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 you know, I'm telling a story that I can already, my family already relates to. So I'm going to put all these in, but it's going to be hard because I got to try to fit this stuff in for her. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest thing was just, I think the hardest thing was I love to kind of take all the time I can. Yeah. And I'm someone that if I, if I have my choice, I love to have a book come out every two years. I know there are some authors that a lot of authors that like do the book a year thing, yeah. which is amazing. And for me, I'm just someone that loves having time. I like luxuriate in the time, <laughs> write it and rewrite it for the story. And so with this, it was like, you know, because it wasn't just about me and my story. It was about DC and Random House and the plans that they had for the character, for the series, everything. So yeah. it was pretty much told to me that I had this, it had to come out when it was going to come out. Even when the pandemic happened, I kept begging. I was like, can we push this back? I don't want this to get lost in like all the pandemic stuff. I want to be able to tour for it, do this and that. But yeah. I mean, it was very much like this is when it's coming out and there's no moving it. So that was probably <laughs> the most challenging was that I probably wrote it in like six months or less, I want to say. And so, you know, there's so much that you want to fit in. There's so much that you want to get right. And yeah. so it was for, that for me was... I think if anything, it was just like, oh, I want more time. I want more time. But then it's funny because I feel like it's gotten some of my best reviews ever better That's than awesome. books when I had more time. So I'm like, maybe I don't need as much time as I think. I do. <laughs> That's really cool. And I thought, I thought your world building was really, really well done. I, I could literally from the first page, I was just brought, you know, into the scene in the park with the opera house. And yeah, it was really cool. And I, I just wanted to ask you because I wasn't sure when I was reading. I know that Oliver Queen mentions, you know, Star City a, like a couple times, maybe briefly. Yeah. But is the what happened, the silencing, was that just in Gotham or did that extend to like the entire world around them? So in my head, it definitely extended basically everywhere. But I, that was kind of like in my head, but I know my editor and DC, they wanted to kind of just keep it centralized in the story to Gotham to just mm. keep it, keep it very in, in our own, you know, in the bubble of the story, as opposed to, I think there was concern, like it might bring up way too many questions if mm. like plot questions, if it's like, this is also happening in Europe and here and there, but in my mind, it, it was everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And well, and it also kind of gives you fuel to like, if there are going to be a sequel, which I hope, or spinoffs and things mm -hmm. like that, I mean, you could really explore, you know, beyond the borders of Gotham City. Yeah, I think. And also in my head or in the, in this book, like Gotham City is sort of like the center of the universe. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like there are repercussions to what happens in Gotham everywhere else. And so that's kind of, I tried to kind of keep it to sort of infer that without being, without kind of opening up the sort of Pandora's box of introducing all these other countries. Yeah, absolutely. When you think back and you sit down and you're like, oh, I, I finished this book and, and you're getting good reviews and, and people are enjoying what you've done. Mm -hmm. Is there one thing that you've given to Black Canary they hope they keep? Cause you know how things get retconned and you know oh, what I mean? yeah. things change and, and you're kind of in a different, uh, I don't know how universe, quote unquote universe yeah. than the main storyline, but they could incorporate what you've done into, mm -hmm. into the main DC comic book storyline, which is the, you know, the one that is like 
toes the line, I guess you could say. Is there something there that you've done that you you hope and wish? Yeah. That, I want to keep that. I hope they keep that. Well, I think mentioned earlier the new power I gave her of this mm-hmm. like superpowered yeah. hearing. I think that would be really cool if they if they kept it in future comic books and any kind of and it makes sense to the character. Yeah, that I new power like set really- makes sense. It kind of goes it goes hand in hand with what she does. Yeah. So I think that would be really fun to see. And it opens up new things for her to be able to do. So I would be super thrilled if they kept that for sure. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so as you mentioned before, you, your grandmother was a opera singer and you're a singer. So music is like literally in your blood. And I know that you recorded some music from your, one of your other series, Timeless. Do you plan to record any music inspired by the Black Canary? So I actually did one. Oh. So I should have sent this to you before, but I'll, I'll send it to you afterwards. So I recorded the song, The Black Canary Sings. And that one, you can hear like the chorus in the book trailer, which is up on YouTube. But Penguin Random House also put it on. They have a SoundCloud page, Penguin Random House Audio. So yeah. it's up there as well. Nice. So any of your listeners, if, if you finish the book and you want to know what the song sounds like, you can go and, and just stream that on soundcloud so i'm still we'll link it in the show notes oh perfect yeah so i'm i we're still trying to figure out if there's another way to kind of get it out there to everyone but that's all dc and warner brothers domain so we'll see if if it ends up going online anywhere else but for now now it's up on soundcloud and youtube a little bit of it cool i will definitely check that out because the lyrics are beautiful and i'm like i want to hear this song (laughs) that was really fun it was so it was it was such a trip because I recorded it with the producer who produced me in my, you know, younger pop singer days. And so it was like such a fun reunion for us and and then to kind of get back into the studio and sing. It was just it was really fun to get to do that again. But for a project like this, that means so much to me. Any a- any any chance you're gonna be writing any comic books? I would love to. Right now I'm kind of pitching DC on the idea of of letting me adapt this into a graphic novel. Oh, that'd be so perfect. that's kind of my first goal. And so we'll see what, what happens with that. Fight, but, fight yeah, for a, uh, if, if they, if they agree, right. And they <laughs> want you to go, I'm going to tell you right now, if you can get Kelly Jones to pencil oh, your stuff, he is the, he is the definitive Batman artist of the nineties. And he's amazing. And he works for DC all the time. And if you say oh. Kelly Jones, they'll know exactly who you're talking about. And okay. literally considered hit, he's literally considered one of the greatest Batman artists, one of the greatest artists, period. But and he had an Eisner Award for his Dead Man comic that he did oh, in, okay. in the late 80s. And he completely changed the way Dead Man is thought of and, and looks. But if you can get him to draw your stuff, you will be in heaven. You'll be like, oh my, God. Oh my lord, this is the guy I want. So it, just look him up. You look up Kelly Jones. And he's yeah. the nicest man in the world that you'll ever meet. He came on the show and him and I had a conversation that was three out. We said goodbye to each other four times and kept talking. <laughs> oh, that's, those are the best. Yeah. So I bet you I'm already like a fan of his. I'm sure I'll recognize yeah, the art. Yeah. He's amazing. So you, I know. yeah, I brought it up last to the editors, the editors who initially I talked to who are on the comic book graphic yeah. novel side. And I think right now there's so much, so much change happening at AT&T and Warner Brothers mm-hmm. DC. So I don't know if they're like necessarily like 
in acquiring mode right now, but I'm going right. to kind of stay on top of it because I definitely, I'm just dying to see like the Court of Owls and the worst um, they could say is no. Oliver and just all of it. I just want to see all of it. Yeah. The worst they can say is no. And if we can get a graphic novel out of that, it'll be really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. I know. I'd I'm going to stay on it. I'd love to see it honestly adapted for television or film. <laughs> me too. Me too. That's, so that's the other thing. That I'm, that's the other thing I'm trying to do. I have all these, I have all these goals with, with this book, even though like the book is done, I'm still kind of, yeah, do, talking to my agents and saying like, okay, what, what can we do? And, right. <laughs> but again, it's one of those things where it's like, it's, it's a little bit different because it's not like one of my own things where we can just set up pitch meetings. It's right. more like, uh, it's more like DC and Warner Brothers have to want to do it. So hopefully mm. they will. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, and didn't you have another another book that you wrote uh, was optioned for television or film? Yeah, that one was for film, Sony. So that's the book, The Final Six, that that got me kind of in front of the DC people and cool. sent me around to all the... That's, what, that's the book that kind of took me to all the comic cons. And oh, cool. so I'm forever like, oh my God, that book definitely was a, was a life changer in many ways. And yeah, one of the things that happened with it was it got optioned by Sony. And that was really exciting because it happened before we'd even sold the book rights. They just wow. bought it based on the proposal. And then and then afterwards, we were able to kind of choose which publisher we wanted, which was really fun. So right now, the rights on that one have expired because the both the executive and the producer who are at Sony who acquired it both left the studio. But there have been a lot of conversations about possibly doing it for television, which I actually... I actually like that idea a little bit better because right now it seems so hard to get major movies made and TVs just seem so much more likely. And I think so often what happens with Hollywood options is you sell the rights to something like what happened with mine or or someone options it. And then it's just kind of sitting there. Whereas with TV, it seems like things get made at a lot more frequency. So in the last few years too, in the last decade and a half, yeah. TV has become, we're in like in a golden age. They're doing oh some amazing God. stuff. There's so many buyers now. Yeah. And, and it's just books seem to be better done in a television format because you have mm-hmm. many episodes. So you're not losing anything. You know, I used to get in arguments all the time with when I worked, I worked at Xerox back in the late 90s, early 2000s when they first started making the Harry Potter movies. And, oh, wow. and I remember I was reading Harry Potter and then this other guy at work was reading Harry Potter and then they did the movie and he was so angry with all the stuff they left out. And I'm like, <laughs> well, how, what are you supposed oh, yeah. to do? They only got two hours, dude. You'd have to do like every book would be like three movies. Cause it's 90 minutes is basically 90 pages. Oh my God. I just realized a Harry Potter mini series would be, or not mini series, like full on series. Would yeah. be- <laughs> Right, <laughs> but it would yeah, have, but that's just so true. So if you have like any kind of book you have, it always I feel like it always does better in a mini series or you know look at Game of Thrones. Yeah, oh, you know yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and in fact, I'm working on adapting the final six as a pilot script because I think too that's one. It's interesting. There's different books of mine where it's like, I have another book that a really great TV writer is, is adapting right now. And I'm like, so thrilled with her being the one to adapt it. I don't feel the need to do it. But then with final six, I don't know. I just feel like I want to write that one. So, so that's the other thing is I, I feel like with TV and me writing a pilot script, it just feels more likely, hopefully, than like the big budget movie 
about space, which would cost like tons and tons of money. <laughs> so yeah, um, not that I mean the TV show won't won't be cheap either, but it just seems like there's there's just so many more avenues for it. So so hopefully you'll be seeing both a Black Canary show based on my book and a final six tv series that would be amazing well i hope so <laughs> what was your what's your big what's the word i'm looking for what what got you into writing oh what my was gosh. your influence well, what was your big always, influence i was always the biggest reader so i mean pretty much before i could talk i was reading books just yeah. uh, obsessed with them when i was little and then growing up i was very much on a dual path because of my mom and my grandmother. My mom is also a recording artist because music That's was, so cool. as you mentioned earlier, literally in my blood, I started pursuing singing and theater and all that from a very early age. But at the same time, I was constantly just tearing through books, reading all the time. So right. it was very much this dual path thing where I'd be writing stories, but then also like performing in plays. And then I had that stint where I was doing the teen pop singer thing and I was opening up for <laughs> these names that were big at the time, like O-Town. And nice. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> so then I got like full on into the music, but I also was always, always coming up with ideas at the same time. And in fact, when I was just out of high school, or it was like the summer after senior year, I think I opened for Aaron Carter and we had a show at the Wiltern, which is a great theater in LA. Oh, very cool. And I remember I went and I got this directory of like Hollywood producers. And it's so <laughs> funny to think I did this, but I was like 17 and I was following these people being like, I remember one of the people I called was the producer of the Harry Potter movies. Oh, and I said, I was like, I'm a 17 year old singer writer. I have my whole speech. And I was like, I would love to take, I would love to pitch you this idea I have. And Oh, by the way, I'm opening for Aaron Carter. If you would like to get like, <laughs> funny, like sales pitch, but it actually did believe it or not, like work in that it for sure introduced me to people who ended up being really great mentors for me when I was a, very young. I'm sure right they there. loved your passion. <laughs> Having somebody take that initiative though, and not and doing it themselves and saying, I want to do this. I have all these ideas. I can't, will you give me this opportunity? I'm sure they love that passion. I know I would. Yeah. And there were a lot of people that would tell me, like I would go into these meetings with a lot of, you know, kind of important people. And I remember some of them would say like, yeah, normally we never do this, but we felt bad because we were so young and like, so excited. <laughs> like we would have felt like, wrong take advantage of it just do it Um, so yeah so it's funny now once i kind of like started to like hit my mid-20s and i realized oh god i can't like go on the young thing anymore (laughs) Um, but it definitely it definitely was for sure like i'd always loved writing and then the music thing seemed to kind of happen first but then i sort of used parlayed i should say the music and the representation that i had there into opening all these doors on the writing side. And then I ultimately realized like so much happier writing and doing music when it's kind of in the context of this, where where it has to do with the story. But I just, there was so much about the music industry and gigging and all of that stuff. And like being a young woman in the music industry, I was just like, this isn't for me. And I kind of feel like if there's something you love as much or more, which in my case was writing, then I'm like, you know, do that. Because being, going for that kind of, pop star life is yeah. like there's so many people that I was kind of uh, sort of peers of mine that I'm like I don't even know what happened to them you know what I mean like the industry just spits up young girls and chews them out so I feel really lucky that I kind of like escaped intact <laughs> if that makes sense yeah 
Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with, I had this amazing music manager who he was just like this iconic rock and roll royalty, Howard Kaufman. And he and his daughter managed me on the music side and he passed away a few years ago, but he always would tell me like, you should, you should really like think about your writing. Like your writing is what makes you special. And I felt, I think at the time when I was younger, I was kind of like, I sort of took that as a criticism, like, oh, you don't think I'm going to like make it big as a pop star. And <laughs> and he would tell my dad, he'd be like, the thing that you love so much about your daughter, that she is kind of like innocent. And, you know, she's not necessarily very like provocative or scandalous, or whatever. She's like, those are the things that are going to make it harder for her to stand out as a pop star. So like, right. if she wants to be true to herself, maybe this isn't like, maybe we kind of steer her more towards the writing stuff that she loves so much. And oh. now... I'm just so grateful for that. Yeah, he had your I best interest at heart. Like yeah, he had your best interest at heart. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'm telling you that is so rare in yeah. the music industry. So I mean, I you feel just like hear these like, nightmares now, like what's going on mm-hmm. with Kesha and her manager. And oh, oh I know. It's just, I know. It's just ridiculous. It sounds like a nightmare. And I, it, I know I hear people talk about, oh, I wish I could have done this. And I'm like, do you though? Do you really want to be that famous? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Ready for and that? That's- thing is like when I was younger, like that was all I wanted. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But then when you get some space from it and you realize like, oh, there's other ways to get to be creative and you can still like reach a really big audience and know that your work is making an impact, but you don't necessarily have to be the one on stage, like being judged and stalked and harassed. Like yeah. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of other things you can do. And that being said for anyone listening who is like believes like full force like music is their great love like i'm i'm not at all trying to discourage anyone from that i just think if there's something else like in my case that you love as much or more you're probably gonna have a better happier life (laughs) have that backup plan (laughs) than going the stardom route well alexandra thank you so much for coming on this has been a pleasure and Thank you. I wish you all the best. And when you have something else or you you don't even have to have something you want to come back on, you let us know. We would love to have you back on. I would love to. Well, next uh, fall, so fall of 2022, I'm actually, my, my writing, it's scheduled to come out then my next book, which is going to be um, a YA historical fantasy for Disney about Princess Jasmine. Oh, definitely. Come on. Let's do this. (laughs) That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. So that was kind of a very much like felt a bit like winning a contest or something that to go from (laughs) get to do Black Canary and then Princess Jasmine. I'm like, okay, I've written my two iconic characters. (laughs) Yes. Totally. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, th- thanks again for coming on. It it was great to to meet you. And like I said, your book was amazing. I, I read it in one day, like picked it up in the morning, finished it in the evening, had my glass of wine with it. And I was like, this book is amazing. I'm really hoping there's a sequel. So hopefully DC will give you the green light to do at least the graphic novel, the comic book. Yeah, the graphic novel would be amazing. Thank you. And that means so much especially coming from people that are fans of the comics and fans of black canary in dc just because i i feel like i had all of you in mind as i was writing this like just very much wanting to to do right by you guys so (laughs) (laughs) my favorite people to hear from that's good (laughs) hey awesome before we let you go do you mind doing a bumper oh what's a bumper i sorry am i just saying like (laughs) I'm Alexandra Monier, writer of Black Canary, Breaking Silence, and you're listening to Spoiler Country. Oh, perfect. I should have known that. Yeah, no worries. (laughs) Okay. Anytime. We're recording.
Hi, I'm Alexandra Monier, the author of Black Canary, Breaking Silence, and several other young adult novels, and you are listening to Spoiler Country. Perfect. Wow, good. Hey, Alexandra, the, the, uh, did you yourself send us the book or did your publicist? I feel like what, it was probably my publicist. Because I'm just wondering, because Tafine really, really enjoyed it, and she's wondering if you'd sign the book for her. Oh, of course. Yes, I would love to. So I, I can send you guys. Um, another one. What's what's her name? Her name I mean, it, how do I spell it? It's T I F F I N E. Oh, I love that name. Yeah, it's, it's pronounced Tafine. And then her last name is Smith. That's an easy one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, you ad- do you need the address? Oh, yeah, that would be great. It's 910 mm-hmm. Hillcrest Drive. Hillcrest Drive. Uh-huh. Snohomish. It's, that's that Snohomish is spelled S N O H O. M I S H Washington, just W A, and the zip is 98290. She'll be ecstatic. 98290, yeah. Perfect. And Melissa, I'll, I want to send you one too because I know you loved it. Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's so my address is 716 West Franklin Street, mm-hmm. Mon- Monterey, California. And it's a nine three nine four zero. Melissa's got the cool address. I do. I live, in that. I, I live in the town where Big Little Lies is filmed. I was thinking that. It's so funny. <laughs> it's hilarious that because I knew Monterey well before the book, but now suddenly everyone knows that it's like Big Little Liars. So oh yeah, they, it, they, 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 they completely to- take over the whole town for like three months every summer. <laughs> wow. oh, that's, that's hilarious. So that's hilarious. Oh, and before I go, um, my publicist will probably. Uh, get mad at me for forgetting to ask this, but if you guys don't mind, if, if you, Melissa, <laughs> Melissa and uh, Tiffine also, since I know she read the book and liked it, do you guys mind posting a review on Amazon? Yeah, I'll have her. Absolutely. I'll, yeah, absolutely. I actually, I just gave you five stars on Goodreads. Oh, yay. And yeah. I'm, I'm an author too, actually. I, I'm on there as oh, well. Awesome. We'll have to, did you add me as a friend? We should follow each other. Okay, totally. I will. Melissa um, writes like two, Melissa writes like 20 books a year. Oh my! God. <laughs> that's what it seems like. Yeah, She's like, I got a book coming out, and then like it comes out, people read it. I got another book coming out. Wait, what? You just released well, this one? <laughs> it's because so I'm juggling. I have a small press publisher that I have contracts with, and then I also self-publish. So I'm like working on you know one novel for them to fulfill my contract, and then trying to get my stuff out as well. And so yeah, I write a lot. <laughs> that's amazing though. You must have heard my whole like one book every two years thing and be like, what? <laughs> no, no. I actually was kind of like, oh, she wants to get to that nice, level. You kid- but I just, <laughs> I'm like a crazy person. I'm just a workaholic and I can't help myself. I have too many ideas. So then I'm like, oh, I have to write this so I can get to the next one. <laughs> oh no, I, that's great though. I mean, and I feel like the more you have out, it's such a good thing because I mean, everyone always tells me this is like, all it takes is like, you have your one, like, as soon as one, like, really hits it big, then all of a sudden, if you have this backlist of all these other books, then it's like, that's the best thing ever. Exactly. And you know, what really, really helped me just recently is I applied for a BookBub deal. Oh, yeah, I love BookBub. I've done that once before. That's when they do like the ebook discounts, right? Yeah. And so you, you apply for one, and it's really hard to get. And so if you get one, it's awesome. Because pretty much nine times out of 10, you end up on like a bunch of bestseller lists for a few yeah. days and see like a huge increase in sales and page reads if you're in KU. So yeah, I highly recommend doing that too. 
Yeah, I remember for the final six at one point, HarperCollins made that happen. I remember being like, whoa, it was like you sold like a thousand in a day or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, it must be, yeah, kind of a hard thing to get because I don't think we've gotten one since then. But that's a good reminder I should ask. I don't know if DC would do it with this one yet because it's such a new release, but I should ask about my other book. Yeah. Oh, I think with the start with the power behind DC now, just the name associated with it, you would probably have an easier time getting one for your other books. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Do you know do they plan on doing an audiobook? What did you say? Do they plan on doing an audiobook with the uh, Black Canary? Oh yeah, they do. They do. It's 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 a great narrator, Kathleen. I can't remember her last name, but but yeah, she did a really great job on it. Oh, nice. Is it out already on on audio? yeah, Yeah, it came out the same day. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, I just want to make sure, cause if that's on the show notes, we can put, if you prefer audiobook, go here. If you like the novel, go here. If you, you know. Yeah. And there's ebook also. So yeah. Yeah. All, ebook. And then, and then do you all want us to give people, do you have Twitter or? Oh yeah. So Twitter and Instagram. I mean, I'm on Facebook too, but Twitter and Instagram the most. So okay. Twitter is, should I email this to you or, or sure. do you want to? If you want to email me all that, that'd be great. Cause then I can yeah. just cut and paste right in there. I know. Unfortunately, they're not all Alexandra Monier. So my first book that came out was Timeless. And so I had the brilliant idea to make my Twitter handle at Timeless Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God that it's Timeless and not like some weird title. You should be able to change. You can change that, though. Yeah, but that's a good point. I can. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, I, oh, changed, yeah I changed mine. Yeah. I see people change their handles all the time. Oh, how funny. I thought I was stuck with it forever. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I guess now I'll just keep it because I sort of I've had it for a while. A, there was a few novels earlier. Where I was like, why did I do that? But now I'm like, ah, it works. It's like saying I'm timeless. <laughs> You're like, timeless. See? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that one's timeless, Alex. Then I have Instagram is my name and then Facebook is something else. So I'll just. I'll send you all of that. And I'll actually include the link too for your show notes to where people can download the song. Perfect. Oh, cool. Perfect. I would love for people browsing to hear that. Too. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so th- much. Thanks you so much. So we'll talk fun. to you soon. Yeah. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. And we're back. That's right. We are back. Back in the saddle again. Well, <laughs> I hope you guys really, really enjoyed that as much as we did making it for you. And if you like what you heard and you want to hear more, you got to go check out spoilerverse.com because at spoilerverse.com, we have a plethora. Plethora is such a, it's such a snobbish word. <laughs> I like it though. <laughs> It's a good word. <laughs> we have an obscene amount of oh, interviews obscene. with amazing directors and artists of all walks of life and editors and writers. And oh my God, are you a lover of comic books like we are? And then there's so many. so many amazing people from the comic book world over at spoilerverse.com. And I highly implore you to go there and check it out. Yeah, and while you're there, you can check out all the other podcasts on our network, like Bridge of the Geekdoms and Funny Book Forensics and Haphazard Adventures and Nerds from the Crypt and so many more. Misery Point Radio. episodes all the time. Misery Point Radio has got a ton of great stuff out there. Go check all of them out. And check out all of the reviews and previews and articles we have going up every single day for you. Every day on Swillivers.com for you to check out, to read, and to love, and to like, and to comment. 
We have a store link. If you want to help support the site? You can do it two ways. One, go to our Patreon, which is just patreon.com slash country, or go to our store link in the middle of the site there and get a t-shirt, a face mask, a hoodie, something. Look fly as hell and help support the site when you do that because we get a dollar or two. And, you know, maybe you want to talk to us. If you do, you can do it you know, obviously on all the socials. But if you go to scpod.us slash discord, you can join our public discord server and come chat with us all day long. I couldn't say it better myself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You just mouthed out a ton of information at once. And really, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoy what you're hearing because we're, we're working our butts off to bring it to you. We are. We are. I guess there's only one left thing. One left thing? Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to go with it. There's only one left thing left to do. What's that? In an oceans of podcasts, we are Cthulhu. As Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind. And even more.